The following podcast is presented by MassInSports.com, your home for Orioles and Nationals baseball coverage. Uh, hello, Oriole fans, and welcome to the inaugural Yard Work podcast on MassInSports.com. Um, I'm Brian Eller alongside MassInSports.com Orioles beat writer Steve Molesky. Steve, how you doing? Brian, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's been a great start to the season for the Orioles, and we have a new venture we're starting today. That's right. This will be the first of many. It'll just get bigger, better, and greater, but for the first one, we'll try to... Uh, Hit a home run too. That's right. You know, and it's you called yard work. By at, the way, at least make contact on the bat. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so this is this is the inaugural podcast. You know, we we figured uh, podcasts need to be really trendy these days, and fans are always looking for the next way to get their Absolutely. source of Orioles information. And and hey, we figure, hey, let's jump into the podcast game too. You know, so hey, you know, as we get going, uh, you mentioned before we started taping, uh, there'll be opportunities for fans to comment on what we've said, send us questions, send us ideas for things we'll do in the future. So uh, fan feedback will be a part of it. Absolutely, and especially I think because this is the first podcast, take a couple minutes and kind of you know set this up for the you know the listeners. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this will be all Orioles baseball. We're not breaking any news or anything like that. We're mostly just looking back on you know previous games that have happened. Obviously, looking at player profiles and obviously looking ahead for things. And like you said, giving fans a chance to to write in questions and, and give them a chance to really uh, get their feedback as well. Yeah, um, man, it's going to be fun and. We could have guests. I mean, podcasts, as fans know, it's just very, uh, it's limitless as Absolutely. to what we can do. We, and we plan to push those uh, no limits. Absolutely. Chaos. <laughs> That's right. So, um, and just a little bit about us before we get started. Um, you know, my name is Brian Eller. I've been with Mastin for five years, mostly behind the scenes. You know, Steve, I've been editing your work for about six seasons now on the website mm-hmm. and uh, shooting a couple videos from time to time there. But most fans... Uh, have never heard my voice before, so hopefully they like it. You know, uh, you on the other hand, Steve. Obviously, you've been with the Orioles, uh, Masson, for a long time, covering the Orioles along with Rock Abaco, um, and really, you have a very strong following, which is great. Another reason why uh, you know I figured, hey, this would be a great. We make a good tandem. You know, but, absolutely. Well, you know, for me, man, this is this is about the best job you could have because I grew up in Baltimore. I watched the great Oriole teams. I probably became a young kid fan in the late 60s, right, right around the time the Orioles had that run of Glorious, three straight yeah. World Series appearances. Absolutely. And, you know, I was hooked. And, man, growing up through the 70s and, and going to high school in Baltimore County, uh, you know, the Orioles were always good. So that was great for me. And I worked in Frederick and Richmond before I was lucky enough to get back to Baltimore in the late 90s and lucky enough to be here. I was the first writer hired by MassInSports.com back in, uh, gosh, I guess now it was 2000. Eight, That's right. I believe it was the very first year. Uh, of course, when we brought Rock in, it really elevated it thing because he had a huge following he brought from the sun. Right. And I think what's great at MassInSports.com is we've become a major player in the marketplace. Oriole fans know they have to come here. Right. If you want to know what's going on with the team, there are other reporters who do a great job. We respect that and know that. But they also know they better come here every day. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little less seasoned than you, but on the younger side, uh, my Oriole days were, you know, growing up in the 90s and the 2000s, watching, you know, Cal Ripken, Palmer, all those guys, uh, you know, so. Not a see, bad group. Absolutely. Happy to see them contending again. So, I guess, Steve, obviously we're, it's the middle of May here, a little over a month into the season. Um, just kind of looking at the month so far, how would you characterize how, what the Orioles have done so far? You know, would you consider a success? I think most fans have to. Yeah. Uh, you know, the 7-0 start, they're at the top of the division. Uh, I think they're really proving a lot of pundits wrong, you know, that said, hey, you know, this team is going to struggle. Well, you give them good grades so far. Uh, 32 games is about exactly one-fifth of the schedule, right. or about 20%. 
So that means we have a big enough sample to look at a little bit, but it also means there's 80% to go. So a heck of a lot is going to change and happen and evolve, and we can't predict off the first 32 games. But 20 and 12, as we tape this, is very impressive for the Orioles. Uh, we knew they would hit homers. They have. We knew they'd play great D. They have. We knew their bullpen would be strong. It has. The question mark was the rotation, and that's the part that's been very promising. After a slow start, they weren't pitching as well. They weren't getting deep into games. Now, they're both pitching well and getting deep into games, two for two. Right. Uh, it's been fantastic to see what Tyler Wilson has done. This kid's a 10th round draft pick who most 10th round picks, they aren't supposed to win games in the major leagues. Right. When you get right. one that can, you're really happy. And so they got three homegrown products. You know, I was on a radio show in Detroit this morning, Brian, and I said two, I'm not, I'm not giving all the credit to two pitchers, but we said that uh, Chris Tillman had to pitch like the 2014, right. and Kevin Gosman needed to take a step forward, and my cell phone needed to not make noises. But right. that that's all right, too. Yeah, that's all right. And so they have, and that's been big for this team, uh, that that uh, occurred, and the rotation has been pretty solid. So knock on wood for the Orioles, if, that, if they pitch like this, the other 80%, They'll be around late in the year. We'll have some fun this summer. Right, absolutely. And you mentioned it's not it's not so much the you know keeping the ERA down and and uh, you know accumulating all the strikeouts. It's really the innings pitched is really one of the things that I think has helped this rotation progress. You mentioned these guys are now they're not going four and two thirds and, and five innings. They're they're going those six, seven, even into the eighth inning for their starts, right. which is really making an already good bullpen even more effective when they're not asked to come out every single day and do those long stretches. It's the toughest call for a manager, I think is to take the starter out, especially in the American League. In the National League, you're losing by two runs in the seventh, you're going to pinch hit. Right. He's out of the game. In the American League, okay, we know the third time through the order, teams hit pitchers better, almost all of them. How is his effectiveness? How much strength does he have? Did he, If he threw 115 pitches last start, maybe you're not pushing him 115 this start. Right. Um, so all these things Buck is considering, how rested is his bullpen? If it's not as rested, maybe he pushes him a little farther. So it's a daily balancing act for Showalter and Dave Wallace as to how far to go with these guys. And young pitchers especially have to learn to do it. Tyler Wilson has to learn to power through when he's a little tired and they need him to get two more outs. You can't just always pull the hook on these guys. And so even with a good bullpen like the Orioles. And Buck knows if you can get some distance from the starters, he can set up the relievers exactly how he wants to use them. Right. And that's the ideal scenario. Right. And that's Buck's, one of Buck's many strengths is exactly. he's just such a mastermind with you know, knowing when to you know, bring the relievers in. Do I keep a starter on for, for how long this batter versus you know, this situation? That's right. really one of the things that makes him you know, get one of the top managers in the game. Players love pitching for him because they know they won't get overused. They know they won't warm up three times and not get in the game. Uh, he, they have to watch that. They keep track of how many pitches those guys throw warming up. Right. And it's amazing now with bullpen guys who have told me they can be ready at 8 to 10 pitches. Right. I mean, fans sometimes say, why isn't a guy up? Because he only needs one batter in the game scenario to get warmed up. That can happen really fast. Yeah. It can happen that fast. So you don't need to start warming up five minutes before they need you anymore. Right. So, I mean... To this point, you know, it's kind of interesting debate. We had in, in the web studio, we had a little bit of a debate the other day about what unit really has been more impressive to this point when you take a look at the Orioles hitters 
versus their pitching. You know, obviously this team was supposed to hit home runs. Their, that lineup is is scary all the way one through nine. And right. of course they're they're meeting those expectations. They're hitting home runs, especially on this most recent tear. Meanwhile, the pitching staff, like you said, wasn't really expected to to do much. Or if there was a weak link to this this team this year, it was supposed to be in the starting rotation. And again, they've outperformed expectations. So I really ask you, you know, hey, what do you view as the more impressive unit so far this year? Is it the Orioles hitters who have been very, very great, but we're supposed to be very great. Right. Or the pitchers, where they've really, you know, outdone those expectations. I actually got to go with the pitching here because the hitters, again, we know they'll be in the top leg in homers. Right. We know they'll probably be in the top five or six, maybe higher in runs scored. We know there'll be some ups and downs. Jones was cold. All of a sudden, he's raking. Davis cooled off. He's raking. Manny, he's been raking almost the whole exactly. time. But but most of the lineup. As Buck has said, you're not going to get eight or nine guys going well at once. You hope you have five or six to carry you through. Right. And they've had that. And so it, everything was on the rotation. It really was. So, right. I mean, again, these units that are playing well, most of them are playing to expectations. A lot of the preseason predictions that were not great for this team were based on the rotation. Right. And my point all winter was go back to 2014. A lot of the same guys got them 96 wins right a lot of the same guys and so people said Chen is gone how can they replace him well I think Gallardo will eventually when he gets back healthy right but I also said some of these pitchers have a track record so if the expectation was in 2016 they'll pitch like 2015 why did in 2015 they pitch like 2014 you just don't go right. year Sometimes to year with this. Year. Yeah, so that's my point. My point was, you're saying the oral rotation isn't good because it wasn't good last year. But last year, it was real good the year before, and it wasn't good that year. So you can't, year to year, it can change. Chris Tillman has a track record of mostly success. It was a real outlier last year. Right. He's very motivated to come back. He's throwing four pitches for strikes. So, again, knock on wood that this continues well for the Orioles, and I do think they don't need Gallardo, and I think I'll come back and pitch well after he gets through this shoulder issue. Who do you think he replaces in the rotation there? Well, that's a good question. I mean, they have many weeks to resolve that. Right, right. I mean, it would probably be Mike Wright if they had to make a decision today, which they don't. Correct. And, you know, a month from now, Mike Wright might have, be pitching the best of anybody. It seems to go every every week there's a different answer for that. Exactly. And, and also, Brian, there's a, the phrase, they have things have a way of working out. Right when Gallardo's ready to come back, there might be somebody ready to go down or an injury they're dealing with. And so it may, ha- may not have to be he replaces someone. Uh, it may be he's needed because they have an injury or something. True. So um, that decision's down the road, but they'll love to have him back. True, absolutely. Do you think we've seen, is this Kevin Gosman turn, turn a new leaf? Is this what we expect from him now? Every single start coming out the past two starts, he's been, he's been really locked in. I, I think he has turned the corner, and... Can't ask him to pitch to one four ERA. If he does that all year, he'll be Kershaw and exactly. win the Cy Young, you know. Uh, but his third pitch, and I don't even know what we're calling it. It's kind of a hybrid between a slider and curve when I watch it, uh, slurve, if you will. Right. Is is become big for him because he's throwing that, commanding that, and confident with that more than ever in his, mate, you know, professional life beyond college. And we knew the first two pitches were good. I think that peace of mind Gosman has, I now have a third pitch I can go to. And he's only going to throw at 10 or 15%. It's not a big factor, but it has to be a factor. And now he knows, I've got three. Not two, I've got three at my disposal. That's a peace of mind he goes to the mound with 
I finally, I finally developed that pitch. As you know, over the years, he tried a slider, he tried a curve. He was, it just really wasn't coming together for him. I don't know why that pitch is better. I'd like to ask him and see if his his take, but it is, right. and it's big because this kid's fastball and changeup, that split change, is plus. And when he's got him going, he can do what he's been doing. Yeah, and it's that what's that old adage, isn't it? Say you have one pitch, you can compete. You have two pitches, you can win. You have three pitches, you can dominate. When you're talking about exactly you know, the first starter, and, and he seems to have found it. That's that's Showalter quoting Oral Hershiser, who is his former pitching coach, and that statement is very, very true to me. Absolutely. You you, if you have one pitch really going, you'll get a lot of outs. Mm-hmm. You'll keep your team in the game. If you have two pitches really going you're probably going to win. If you have three, that's that's the Kershaws and the Grankies and, and David Price's over most of their careers, right. they have had that. Right. And so few pitchers have that consistently. On given nights, you go, wow, look at this guy. But the next three starts, all three aren't working as they were on that given night. And so that's what makes them Kershaw and Grankey exactly. and David exactly. Price. But we'll slow down on that, that for right. a little bit. We'll give Kevin a few more starts And, and there, it makes but. their bank account very large, and, then their, and their resume is very strong. Yep. But uh, Gosman has uh, shown flashes of being that kind of pitcher. Um, and so I like the fact that guys like Haney and Wilson aren't afraid. They have poise. They have guts. They like the challenge, and they want the ball. Yeah. And, you know, they, I know I still maintain that the, the American League East, you know, the division is – the best division to really cut your teeth if you're a young pitcher. I mean, you're still facing the you know superstars within you know. Obviously, oh, yeah. the Yankees are having a down year, but Boston's lineup still still solid. You know, Big Poppy is still hitting even though in, in his Much final season. Of course, around that exactly. But if you're going <laughs> to cut your teeth as a young pitcher, I think this is the division in which to do it. And you know, as you said, they're not really backing down. They're going out and facing these lineups and really holding their own. So right. Far. And some of the handling of Gosman has been criticized, but there was a method to the madness at all times. There always is. Buck and Dan and Brian Graham and people like that, they know what they're doing. They don't always make the right decision because no one in baseball does. But they weren't jerking him around to make it tough on him. Sometimes he had options. Last year he was hurt early last year, you remember. They had too many starters. They put him in the bullpen. So some of this was he's getting experience. They're they're limiting his innings at times. Now they can kind of turn him loose. And so... um, uh, the, the the product that looks like it's in the initial stages of being a finished product is good. And Gosman gets the most credit, but the Orioles, I think, um, reports of the mishandling were a little over the top. Sure. Well, that's what we do, right? We all get we get so we're so short sighted, and we see we see this guy go out and throw you know two three innings in long relief, and he's he's incredible, right? He maybe strikes right. out the side and say, all right, let's put him in the starting rotation right away. And, you know, like you said, they always have a plan in mind. I mean, even what Steven Strasburg from the Nationals just penned that that long extension. Well, there yeah. he took they, you know, that organization took criticism a couple years ago for limiting his innings. You know, really kind of holding him down. And people say, hey, you got to let this guy loose. Uh, well, exactly. You know, Turns out in the long run, hey, that was a good move for them. Well, you know, if you're an Oro fan for many years, you have a backdrop of frustration over the years with some of the young pitchers. Right. Always the next great hope didn't pan out, and they were always compared to Mike Messina, which right. was a little unfair. This is a guy who's probably going to be in the Hall of Fame. Correct. So if, right. if, if you want every pit, young pitcher just to be Messina, yeah. that you set the bar too high. Exactly. So to me, Zach Britton is a success story. Third-round draft pick, was a good starter before he had shoulder That's issues. Right. People forget he was a starter for, for Exactly, a while. and he yeah. could be again. I think yeah. if they need him to be again, he'd be fine. But right. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon because he's so good at what he does. Exactly. Yeah. But some of these guys have worked out okay. I mean, Chris Tillman was not a drafted Oriole pitcher, but his, his development was finished in Baltimore. Started in Seattle, finished here. Tyler Wilson, 
Mike Wright, Michael Gibbons. Michael Gibbons was a shortstop. He's now dominating right-handed batters in the major leagues. Right. I can tell you, you ask farm directors, because they all have players they convert to the mound. So few get to the majors, and fewer yet dominate hitters in the major leagues. Right. I mean, this kid was in double-A last year. And so that's a success story that the organization doesn't get credit for. But when you take a kid from shortstop and put him to the mound, You've got about 20 steps you got to go through and, and be right on all of them. That's not an overnight thing or even a, even a one- or two-year thing. They script yeah. Brian in the minors for a year or two. They scripted his outings. And that means you're going to pitch Monday. You're going to rest three days. You're going to pitch uh, Friday. You're going to rest three days. Right. You're going to go from an inning to an inning and a third. You're going to go from 20 pitches to 24. You're going to rest four days. You're going to come in in the sixth. He wasn't used like a bullpen guy in the majors. When we need you, we need you. It was preset how he's going to pitch so they could monitor it, see how he's doing, see how he's progressing, and then take that to the next step and the next step, and boom, he's in Baltimore. And that's one of the things that maybe fans might not get a sense of, but certainly, you know, you being being able to talk to Buck after the games, you know, and I, I remember doing this too for the few times I've been down there. He would leave from a game, come give the post-game comments, and then as people were kind of scurrying to go in the clubhouse, you could overhear him say, mention, hey, how did so-and-so do down in, in, in double-A or single-A? Did oh, he get yeah. his at-bats today? You know, and right. he's so, Buck's so meticulous with these guys staying on their schedule because, like you said, it, there's there's a plan in place for, for anybody, whether it's a pitcher, a hitter, or somebody converting from a, hit, a position player to a pitcher. Yeah. And it's, it's all part of the plan. The other thing that's happened in the minors in recent years and maybe it happened in the past. I don't remember it to this extent. Buck and Dan and Brian Graham and others, but those three mainly, have let the minor league people, not just the players, but the front office staffs in Frederick and all through the minors know you're important to us. You're our family. You're Orioles. Right. And I don't know if we got that over the years. You know, Buck in a, when Buck in a pregame says Matthew Grimes pitched great for Frederick last night, that was cool. In Frederick, that's big. People are like, wow, Buck mentioned our guy tonight on the pregame show? Right. Or, you know, and it's and, genuine. It's and genuine. It's genuine. Buck's right. not doing that for brownie points in Frederick, but let me tell you, it's being heard. Because I've been in Frederick before when they wondered, geez, I hope anybody in Baltimore noticed, you know, but they do now. And they should now because it means a lot to those people. They're working so hard to produce players, and you manage differently in the minors. You're, not, you're, you're developing players first. You're winning second. Right. It's very different in the minors. Some fans might not grasp it completely. But it's meaningful that Buck shows up in Bowie and Buck mentions this. And Dan Duquette, when Bowie won the championship last year, was in the clubhouse hugging guys and talking to players, and he was there. And You, don't get, you won't get that from all of them. You don't get that everywhere. Yeah. You don't get that from every manager and GM. And it, it's... It's, uh, I've asked minor league players, do you feel that Baltimore people appreciate what you do? Oh, man, we're a, we're a family here. They get it. And that's big. Right. Sounds cliche, but it is important, especially as you're moving up. Yeah. And these guys, I mean, yeah. obviously you look at look at Manny Machado and Jonathan Scope. I mean, they look like, you know, two college-age guys that, that, you know, have been friends their entire lives. Obviously, they went up, you know, through the minors together, and they're really close. And every time one of them hits a home run, the first guy waiting on the top of those steps is the other guy, you know, ready to do a, you know. When I, when I saw them turn that double play yesterday, and I've seen them turn a couple good ones already, in the short time they played short and second, it reminded me of watching them in 2011 win a league championship in Frederick, Maryland, because they were that good then. Right. 
I used to say to people in the press box, if SportsCenter had a highlight of this Frederick Keys game, it would be number one tonight. But no one has a highlight of sometimes of a Carolina exactly. game. Exactly. But Manny and Scope turned amazing double plays in Frederick, and it was clear then that those kids wanted to win championships. They wanted to win in Frederick in 2011, and they did. Right. And uh, they want to win today, too. Right. So let's talk about Machado for a second. Man, obviously, he's just... He's just on fire. You know, he's been he's yeah. been hitting consistently, you know, the entire season. Like I said, we're still only about 20% of the way through, so we've got a lot of ball left to play. Um, but I think if you take a look at his chances to win the American League MVP, you know, I, I would may not necessarily go, you know, triple crown route. Again, might be a little too early. We'll see how that numbers <laughs> pans out. But I, right. yeah, I think it's still – I think it's late enough in the season to – to, to take a step back and say, hey, American League MVP, um, you know, this is a realistic shot. He's got a chance. Um, you know, where would you put his chances right now? I mean, yeah, if they I were voting today, he'd right. clearly be at the top of the list, right. probably, or they're on the short list. But here's, here's some numbers, Brian, and this is through Wednesday's games as we tape this. Right. In four key stats, average, on-base, slugging, OPS – Manny Machado is, exceeds Bryce Harper in three of those four. I think some people would be surprised to know that. It's a blowout in batting average, 359 to 264. Right. Nice. Now, Harper, with all his walks, wins on Correct. base, 440, but Manny's at 417. Slugging is a 100-point difference almost. 702 Machado, 604 Bryce Harper. 100 point That's not close. Right. OPS is... About a 60. It's 1.119 to 1.045. Home runs, both have 10. Doubles, 15 to 6. In favor of Machado. Favor of Machado. Runs scored, Manny has five more. Right. Now, Harper has more steals. He has way more walks. But most of the stats we just quoted, Manny Machado is ahead of Bryce Harper. Right. Who just got walked? What ten times in the game? Exactly, you know? set records for a number of times walked. And yeah, he's the most feared hitter in baseball. There's sure. no question that is true. Sure. But this kid in Baltimore, who by the way is only a couple months older than Harper, that's right. Their age is very close, is exceeding him in almost every statistic. Right. I think some people around the world, in the country especially, and Major League Baseball will be surprised to know that. Right. And and I think too. I mean, obviously, it's different positions so it could be a little bit apples and oranges but you go to the defensive side I mean there's another area where Machado well I, I might take him over anybody in the game in right. terms of just his ability to play well the entire left side of the infield when called upon we've seen him over at shortstop since you know Hardy he's a better defender than Harper absolutely absolutely when you throw Mike Trout in the conversation Mike Trout's sensational at his position like as Manny is at either one he plays right so I mean Machado, if he's not in your conversation with those other two, you're doing it wrong. Right. You're just not, or you have a bias exactly. or something. Because yeah. if you just look at raw statistics without even going beyond that, he's there. Uh, and and you look at the big hits he's had. You know this this kid. He's just really taking his game to a level. It's special to see. And he's durable. He plays every game. Uh, he's gotten bigger and stronger. He's his strike zone discipline has gotten better, much better. Pitches, and that's that's big, Brian, because that pitch two inches off the plate that he would roll over and ground out, now he takes, and it's now two and one instead of he got out on the one-one pitch. Right. And now the two-one pitch, he's he's ahead on the count. I'm locked in. I'm it's looking four. for something, yeah, and bam, over the wall it goes. So, you know, those little things mean a lot for Manny, and uh, 
fun to watch him play right now. Absolutely. Like you said, if you're not paying attention, something's wrong. Be sure to text Orioles to 29292. We'll get you all the alerts for Machado because it seems to be on a nightly basis <laughs> right. when we're talking about him. And I think one thing, too, that is not going to be in his stat column is his success trickles down the line for the other guys right behind him in the lineup because obviously if somebody's struggling at the plate well you pitch around them yeah. uh, you know or, or you, you know you might pitch around someone like Davis or or, or Jones those, those, or Trumbo or these big power guys because you figure hey maybe this guy coming up behind him isn't easy out well Machado certainly furthest thing from an easy out these days you know right. and his ability to even get on base and and put somebody on for the next batter behind him hey pitchers are really left with fewer options as the as those you know that happens, and we've on. seen we've seen a lot of the Oriole hitters do that. Right, uh, Trumbo's not afraid to take a walk. Davis will take a walk, and um, you know Manny's going to get walked more as the season goes on right. because teams are going to just say he's the one guy. Uh, and then the and the great thing about the Orioles, as you said, if they want to walk Manny, that's cool because guess what? Jones, Davis, exactly. Trumbo, pick your poison. <laughs> you don't have exactly. one guy coming. Exactly. You got three guys exactly. coming. You've only got three bases open if the uh, if the bases are empty when they come up, and right. you, you know you can't walk them all. So. Um, and I think I think too. You talk about Trumbo, boy. He'd be if if it weren't for Machado, it, Trumbo would be having you know the best season on the Orioles so far. Obviously, especially compared to in seasons past. I think he mm-hmm. he finished with uh, I want to say it was around twenty homers all of last year, and, and this year obviously it, it, we're in the middle of May, and he's got eleven already. You know, he's really been that source of power yeah. already to a powerful lineup, and I know. It seems like every offseason, fans are saying, you know, they're giving the advice to Duquette, saying, hey, go get a frontline pitcher, maybe we need a left fielder. And, you know, again, in the offseason, they seem to have added a couple bats. And some fans kind of sat there and said, all right, uh, we're making what's stronger already stronger. So, you know, do we address what we need to? But clearly those acquisitions have been have been great, and especially oh, yeah. Trumbull kind of leading the way. Trumbull's acquisition was big when it happened because the first thing it did would give him insurance that Chris Davis left. Right. There's your first baseman. Right. So you got that covered. That was the trade was done in part in part because of that first. But they also knew, okay, if we keep Chris, we have another thumper here, and he, he bats right and Chris bats left. And so the guy's a fast starter, so let's see how much he keeps it going. But he's a he's great in the clubhouse. He fits in so well. He seems a kind of similar personality to a lot of the guys in there. And he's kind of a quiet leader type, like Weeters and like Davis and like, you know, Mike Hardy. I could name others. Right. Uh, and it's a good fit. He told me the other day, it's the most fun he's ever had in baseball. And he gave me a great interview, if fans check it out on Exit Velocity, which is a stat he tracks. This winter, uh, his winter workouts included learning more about exit velocity, launch angles. I mean, he's a thinking man's hitter. He's not up there just see ball, hit ball. Uh, he knows the pitchers. He knows the Oriole pitchers. He gave a great assessment of Chris Tillman one night when they said, what do you think of Tillman's outing? He analyzed it like Harold Reynolds might on MLB Network or, you know, Dan Plesak or somebody. So this guy is sharp. Uh, he's a great uh, personality. He's a leader. And he's, man, he's fit in on on the field and in the clubhouse beautifully. Absolutely. And I think just, just it's we're only about five, six weeks in, but everything seems to be going right especially after that now they started seven and oh um and since that time obviously they're eight games over 500 so you look at their kind of fell back down a little bit kind of mm-hmm. hovering around that 500 mark but still i think at this point in the season even the most pessimistic Oriole fan has to be pleased with, with what they oh, see I so hope. far i mean know? there are some <laughs> no, i don't know what else they can do so <laughs> can get pessimistic absolutely i know you've read our blogs Thanks. but but most of them are pretty excited and some are giving a cautious optimism which again is fine it's okay you don't right. have to 
uh, invest the, the farm here, but uh, it's it's they're going to be they're going to hit a stretch coming up where they lose three or four in a row and it looks bad and people get down, but that's called baseball. That's baseball. Yeah, and that's... so the thing is to limit those and to ride the good ones and look up after six months and be where you need to be. Absolutely, and and I know we're running running out of time here. Obviously. Um, you know, we're we're gonna try to make this a, a weekly podcast, especially if if fans really uh, seem to enjoy our, our our witty banter, as as we like to say. Um, so, coming up this week, obviously the Troy Ten Town they're here for a four game series. Mm-hmm. They're struggling. They're two and eight over the last ten games. They were just the victims of Max Scherzer's twenty strikeout performance last night. Again, exactly. an incredible performance. So, um, there's definitely a series where I think the Orioles should be. You know, certainly favored four, and hopefully, you know, to at least take three out of four, ideally go for the sweep. And then, uh, you know, the Mariners come in. That'll be a good contest because I think oh, as yeah. surprising as the Orioles have been, Seattle's been just up there, maybe a little bit more surprising. They're leading that AL West. I think if they're at 23 and 12 as we're uh, as we're coming in today, or 21 and 13, something something to that effect right. there. Um, but so two two series, I, I think the Orioles should should hope to walk away with a, a greater than 500 homestand at least. What do you, yeah, what do you, you see hope. coming up? You hope so. Um, you know, Detroit's going to start beating somebody. They're going through a tough stretch, but they were 14 and 10 about a week ago. Right. And so they've just got too many good hitters in that lineup. They're going to start hitting the ball and beating somebody. So you hope it's not you. You uh, Trumbo was honest to say when I interviewed him when the Yankees are in town, I said. Do you have to get a team when they're down? And I kind of expected a political answer, but he said basically said yes. He surprised you. Yeah. You gotta you gotta roll the wins now yeah. because I've been on teams on the other end and they don't like Buck says, no one feels sorry for you. If you're struggling, keep them struggling. And right. that's what the Orioles will try to do with the Tigers. Absolutely. Tigers are gonna start beating somebody pretty soon. And Seattle series will be fun. Nelson Cruz, Steve Johnson uh, got the win that's for the right. uh, Mariners that's last right. night. It'll be good to see those two uh, in Baltimore. Absolutely. So Thanks for uh, checking us out on the inaugural Yard Work Podcast. Again, we hope to uh, – this is really the, the first of, of what we hope many podcasts, and we're certainly open and flexible to changing things around. So uh, we're going to post this on MassInSports.com. Uh, leave us your comments. Let us know. We're going we're gonna to start entering a little feedback session with fans. Um, I think next week what we'll try to do is, Steve, I think you, you'll notice – through the blogs and I've noticed as I've um, been on the website that fans really seem to obviously give their opinions on a lot of things but one mm-hmm. thing in particular is is the lineups whenever they come out every day fans are sitting there saying oh I like this guy or I you know I'd bat this move this guy up especially against this this starting pitcher um, so I think one thing maybe we'll try to do next week is if fans have an idea of their perfect Orioles starting lineup you know given everyone's health you can put JJ Hardy back in there if you want or just go in with everyone's healthy give us your lineup leave us your comment of how you bat the order uh comment why we'll try to read a couple of those on the next podcast and give our thoughts on that um but hopefully uh this is the first of many podcasts to come all right man wonder way this is a great idea brian i'm glad we're doing this thanks for your help with it and uh pass it on to your friends to the those listening in we'll have it linked we'll have it all over the place for you to find it And uh, leave us some comments. We'll talk to you next time. That sounds good. Uh, Check it out on MassInSports.com.